Verse 5, it says this, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. I want you to think about this because the Christmas story begins with a miraculous pregnancy and answered prayers. And it's not the pregnancy of Mary and Jesus It's the pregnancy of Elizabeth with her son, John, who we call John the Baptist. So um, we don't have anybody in scripture that we call like John the Pentecostal. So it's not the denomination, just so you know. It's John who was baptizing those who were coming to faith in Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And the title of today's message is Answered Prayers. I want you to think about the fact that prayers are answered by God throughout all of our story that's written in the Bible. That men and women, in fact, I'm going to tell you something that can shake you just a little bit. There are people in the Bible that they actually prayed and changed God's mind about something. So here is Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they've been praying for a child They were both of the priestly tribe of Levi and direct descendants of a man named Aaron. He was the first high priest of the people of Israel. So they were righteous. The Bible says they were blameless. I started thinking as I prepared this message and thought, do I know anyone who is blameless? Surely it's not my kids, (laughs) right? Um, Surely it's not me. It's not my spouse. We don't know many people like this. They are highly uh, not- notified or they have high notoriety, I guess I should say, um, in scripture because it says they were righteous and blameless or holy before the Lord. But the Bible also says that they were childless and old. Um, I think it's really funny if you read the entire passage, which is over 60 verses, um, you'll see that Zechariah says, I'm old and she is well advanced in years. <laughs> He was a smart man. (laughs) He was a smart man. But as a Levitical priest, Zechariah had to go to Jerusalem and he had to offer sacrifices there um, just as part of his duties. And he had to offer offerings. So he would go into Jerusalem to do this periodically and then during all of the feasts and festivals. Keep reading chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. I want you to think about something. It's kind of a little sidetrack. Not going to stay here long. But they drew lots. Otherwise, like sticks, who got the short stick or the long straw or whatever the case may be. They drew lots and his division of priests were up. You say, well, how does God work through that? That sounds like chance. No, it doesn't. It sounds like God at work in something that we don't understand. So the priests are serving and it says that he was there according to the custom of the priesthood. Look at verse 10. It says, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him, Zechariah, 
an angel of the Lord. Later we read the name of this angel is Gabriel. He's been the messenger throughout human history to announce the arrival of the coming Messiah. So Gabriel is there as the angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. I'm guessing this is the first time that Zechariah saw an angel. So I want you to just be thinking about that. I, I was in here last night praying and preparing for today. And I just had this funny thought hit me. I don't know what I would do in this building if there was a supernatural presence like an angel, physical form that I could see. I would probably freak out. So Zechariah, we can't hate on him. He kind of freaked out. It says fear fell on him. Look at what verse 13 says. It says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Here he is doing a duty for the whole nation, for the people who are gathered outside, who are offering up their prayers. And an angel visits him to tell him, your prayer has been answered and been heard. It says, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared." So to be childless in these in those days and times was something of a of a bad mark on your life. Children then were seen as a blessing and the more you had the more blessed you were. They are a blessing, the Bible says they are, so even in their hardest moments our children are a blessing, but in those days and time it would have been humiliating. I know some people today they get married and they're married for like 10, 12 years and they're like I don't know if we'll ever have kids. I'm not worried about it. And nobody really looks down on them or has an opinion about that. They do their own thing. But back then in those days, it was humiliating for a couple. And not only that, it was economically catastrophic. Because when the husband dies, women in those days didn't own a lot of property. They didn't handle the financial stuff. They weren't the workers and the workforce and that kind of stuff. And so they were left destitute when their husband died. If they didn't have children who were of age to help them, they had to depend on the generosity and benevolence of people around them. So I want you to think into the story what's really going on. So... Zechariah and Elizabeth, despite their faithfulness, had not yet had their prayer answered. This is a primary prayer that they must have prayed dozens, if not hundreds of times up until this moment. So the altar of incense, we've talked through the tabernacle of the Old Testament, kind of what the, the, um, the gathering place would have looked like for the temple. 
I want you to get a picture in your head that when you came to church in those days, you would come into what they had called courts. Okay, It wasn't a court of law, but it was a gathering space. And then as you got further into the facility or the campus, you'd have more and more things until you got to the depth of where God visited the priest. And that was called the Holy of Holies. They went in once a year. But there were stages of places that they would go to and they would do different things. It says that Zechariah was at the altar of incense. And it's really important that you understand a little bit about this. The altar of incense would have been a big column, a square column, with a bowl on top that was a metal bowl that held hot coals. And the priest would go and offer incense that they believed God wanted to smell. I want you to just think through. Again, they're primitive people. They're doing what they know to do. And so they're honoring God in this way, offering incense to him. And at that moment of offering incense, all the people would come together. They didn't socially distance back then. They would come together and they would all offer up prayers, knowing that the priest was going in there because they understood based on their history and the teaching that they had, that when the incense rises to the Lord's nostrils, he'll hear my prayer. I'm going to accompany Accompany that incense with my prayer and let it rise to the throne of God. So the altar of incense is all about prayer. These people would gather in hopes that their prayers would reach God's throne. Zechariah and Elizabeth had probably prayed prayers for a child many, many times, more than any other prayer throughout their lives together. And now the angel appears and says, Your prayer has been answered or has been heard. Not just heard, but answered as well. And your son is not going to be average. He is going to be a special child for a special purpose to prepare the way of the Lord. So we're not going to read through all the rest of the verses in the passage today. I know I freaked you out when I told you there's over 60 verses in that passage. But the story of this encounter wraps up in verse 23 through 25. So look at that with me. It says, and when his time, being Zachariah's time of service was ended, he went home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among people. So Zechariah went home and fulfilled his duty, and here comes This baby, who they will name John. It's an interesting story that you can read all the rest of the details about. But if you go back to Malachi chapter 4, in the last few verses that are recorded in our Old Testament, there's a prophecy about John the Baptist. Listen to what it says in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Pause for just a second. Think about this. Elijah's been dead for hundreds of years at the point of this prophecy. The idea is someone like Elijah will come. Okay, It says, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So this prophecy is about John the Baptist. And if you didn't know, you should learn this today. 
between the Old Testament and the New Testament, all scholars pretty much agree there's about a roughly 400 year period of time. So there was nothing written during that time that is included in our Bible. Yes, people lived. There wasn't any major, you know, chaos and that kind of stuff. It just, it kind of all went silent as God's plan continued to unfold. And then we get the gospels that are written for us. So the prophecy about John the Baptist happening over 400 years before he arrived. Do you remember what it said in verse 17? Pull that back up, Miss Kelsey. It says that your son will go before the Messiah in the power, in the spirit and the power of Elijah to prepare the way. I'm telling you, you cannot convince me that God doesn't have a plan. Because he does. Amen? He has a plan not just for great people who are listed in scripture, but he's got a plan for you in your life. In fact, I was talking to someone on Facebook who's uh, an old friend of ours uh, from Hawaii. And um, I've talked about him before, and he may listen and watch this message today because he says he watches our Facebook from time to time and checks in on us. But um, I, I asked him, I said, hey, brother, how are you doing? And he says, I'm doing great. I'm preaching the gospel. He's not a pastor. <laughs> He's preaching the gospel. He said at the wedding of his daughter, one person got saved because he was preaching the gospel. And I'm so proud of it. And I told him, I said, I'm so proud of you, brother. I said, and God has always had good plans for you and you're living in them now. And I thought about that when it comes to this message, specifically understanding that God is at work. Even when you can't see it, there is a plan in place and it may seem spontaneous to us, but it is God intentionally at work. So in these last few minutes, I want to talk to you about how you can get your prayers answered. I'm not always sure of the timing of the Lord, but I know it's perfect. You know why I know it's perfect? Because he is perfect. So even when our prayer is delayed, and there are countless stories that I could share throughout scripture that talk about prayer and either it being delayed or having been worked out finally, according to our perspective, but it was all in God's perfect timing. I'm sure for Zachariah and Elizabeth uh, that they had prayed and prayed and they were probably tempted to doubt and tempted to stop praying. Have you been there? <laughs> I have. Where I've thought, well, you know, he hasn't done it yet. So I guess I'll just move on to the next thing. And they, they could have given into that temptation. But Gabriel is standing there in the presence of where Zechariah should be in the presence of God. He's now there with Gabriel. And Gabriel is saying, your prayer has been answered. Imagine that. I don't know all the prayers that you've prayed. Or the ones that you continue to bring before the Lord. But I do know that we serve a God who hears us when we pray. Think about it. He even hears the prayers of sinners. Those who are not his kids yet. He hears the prayers of sinners. Or else how could they become saints? Amen. Have you ever seen a physically fit person? 
and you thought, wow, look at them. They must have really worked hard to look like that. You know, you go to the beach with your family and you're rolling the wagon and you got the kids and the chips out and all that stuff. And here comes this, you know, massive looking guy who's like ripped and all this stuff. And then you catch sight of his legs and you see these scrawny little chicken legs and you think to yourself, wow, he skipped leg day, you know, or maybe months or years worth of leg day. And he just doesn't look proportional and right. You say, Pastor, where in the world are you going with this? You as a believer cannot skip prayer or else you will be out of sync. You won't be proportionate. So think about that. It's like an ingredient. If you're making chili, you've got to have tomatoes. You've got to have beef. You've got to have whatever. It's like missing the key or the base ingredient. Some of my friends think that chili shouldn't have meat in it. I don't know. But I'm just saying this. The ingredient that's missing in a lot of Christians' lives is perseverant prayer. A prayer that continues and continues. The faith of my father and my mother blesses me and encourages me. They pray continuously and have since birth over both of their sons they still haven't seen some of the answers to the prayers for one of their sons. They continue to pray. That perseverant prayer is a missing ingredient in many of our lives. We cannot skip, I would say prayer day, like leg day, but we cannot skip prayer. So I've got two points today that I want to talk to you about, about how you can get your prayers answered. The first is this. It's so simple. You might want to write it down. Pray and keep praying. Pray and keep praying. You say, well, that seems mindless. Didn't he hear me the first time? Yes, but there's a plan in place and God is doing things you cannot see. Hello? Amen? So we've got to pray and keep on praying. I'll give you a couple tips, three tips on how to pray. The first one is this. You must pray according to God's will. Lord, give me a million dollars. <laughs> well, I mean, we've got to use our brain and we've also got to use what we see in his word. And his voice never says anything to contradict his word. I've had people tell me, ooh, pastor, I've got a word from the Lord for you. And I make that joke now because that hasn't happened here. It's happened in other places. And I, I stand there in amazement thinking, wow, I'm so thankful that they're sharing this. And then as they start to share it, I'm thinking to myself, mm, that's, that doesn't, that's not backed up by God's word. What are you talking about? So it's got to be backed up by God's word. Amen? This better be a Bible-believing church or I'm leaving. Okay? God's word shows his will. So let me ask you, is his will to heal? Yes. Is his will to bless? Yes. Is his will to provide? Then yes, I can pray prayers according to that. I don't have to sit back and just kind of wait to see where the chips fall. I can do something when I pray. Amen? 1 John 5, 13 through 15 says this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
Uh, let me give you another example of somebody saying something that they thought was God's will that's clearly not in Scripture. They were not in an abusive relationship, but they were praying that God would let them get a divorce because they fell out of love with their spouse. No, you have to do some work. God's will is for you to stay married and to work through it. Again, there are exceptions talking about things like abuse, but just so you understand, we can't get off kilter and off course by trying to pray our own will. We've got to be praying his will. And it says when we pray his will, he hears us. Verse 15, 1 John five fifteen. It says, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. I love this time of year. My kids are telling me every single day, daddy, add this to the Christmas list. I want this too. Daddy, I want this. I want this. I, I love it. And I'm like, okay, I've got some great ideas. You're going to get five of the 50 things that you've asked for, but this is awesome. Keep it coming because you just kind of never know. Here's the thing. If you're not yet a father, you might not understand this, but as a father, I can tell you, it blesses literally my soul to see joy in the face of my child after having given them something that they've asked for. I want you to think about that. And if I, being just a lowly, not good enough human father, who loves Jesus, but that's all I got going for me. If I have that, can you imagine what the father feels when he's able to give you what you need according to his will that you've prayed for? It's amazing when you think about it. This should give you some hope, some inspiration to get back to praying harder, stronger, longer uh, than before. The second thing about praying and keep on praying is you must continue to ask, seek, and knock. I said it a moment ago. There's something to be said about persevering in prayer and continuing to pray. Matthew chapter 7. If you're taking notes, just write that down. Matthew chapter 7. I want to read to you this short passage about asking, seeking, and knocking. If you've ever been in church in a Sunday school class before, you know where I'm headed with this. But I want you to listen closely. Jesus' own words in verse 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asked him for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So you've got to pray according to his will and you've got to persevere in asking, seeking, and knocking. In fact, there's another passage that talks about a woman who was perseverant and she bothered the man so much she finally got her way. And Jesus is hinting at, this is how we should approach our needs, our things that we pray for. The third thing about praying and keep on praying is you've got to believe. You've got to truly believe in the promises of God. I encourage you, if you're praying, like my parents have prayed prayers of salvation for their sons. Thankfully, 
um, I am saved and living for the Lord. And we pray for my brother that he would find Jesus and that he would walk with him. But as they pray, they have to continue to believe and they've got to look at scripture based on the promises they find and stand on those promises. They know that it says, you and your household shall be saved. There are places throughout scripture that says it's God's desire for all generations to seek him. So they continue to hold on to that. You say, well, I know somebody who struggles with substance abuse. Then find promises in God's word about leaning on him and not their own strength. And pray those things. Find yourself in the place of pushing through in God's presence, believing that he is who he says he is, and he will always do what he's promised to do. This is good. This is good for us. Do y'all remember the story in Mark chapter 11 about a fig tree that Jesus cursed and it withered and the next day they're walking by? Let me read to you just to help remind you what Jesus says. In Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24, he says this, truly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That's the words of the son of God to you and I, that as we press through and as we pray, we've got to believe that we've received it, that God is a good father, that he wants to bless us with those things that we're praying for. And then the second point is this, obey and keep obeying. (laughs) The prayer part might come a lot easier than the obedience part. So buckle in for just another minute or two. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus' actual quotes, or his quotation is, if you love me, you'll obey me. I've used it on my kids. <laughs> Don't you love daddy? Then obey me. Do this. Um, there's, a, there's something to be said about obedience. I posted on Facebook this morning this thought, this food for thought about obedience. There is not a single story that you can point to in the word of God that includes victory for the people of God or triumph that didn't include obedience of the humans involved. Not a single one. No obeyed, built an ark, got laughed at, got saved. Moses obeyed, got scorned. You looked, all of them, Joshua, David, they had to obey in order to get to that place of victory. And I think what we, I think what we want is we just want to celebrate the win and we don't want to put in the hard work ahead of time. And the hard work is obedience. Obedience is hard because we're not robots. You have to choose to obey that gift that God gave every human on the planet of a free will it's always working against his desire. And so we've got to make it, we've got to master it and make it do what we tell it to do. Um, But obedience is definitely hard. It doesn't come easy. I think many Christians have an authority issue that they have not yet resolved. And I'm not saying they've got a problem with their boss or something like that. I'm telling you, the authority issue that's unresolved is who will be the master of your life? Will it be you or will it be God himself? 
is not really about the outside forces of authority. It's about the internal. We must submit to God in order to please him. Jesus' own words, if you love me, you will obey me. He deserves our obedience. And we truly get a benefit when we obey him. Truly going his way is much better than ever going our own. Amen? I've found it out to be true in my own life. Worship team, would you come? When John the Baptist is finally born, Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit. There's, there's so much amazing detail in this story about all the things, and we could go on about it for a while. But he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says he begins to prophesy. I want you to read Luke chapter 1 this week. It's amazing. Read it nice and slow, keep reading over it, and you'll keep seeing some new things. But he prophesies about the coming Messiah. Listen to what he says in chapter 1, verse 68 and 69. He says this, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. I want you to keep looking at that verse for just a moment. This idea of a horn of salvation, Zechariah is promised, he's prophesying about the promised Messiah who is coming, who is coming from the house of David. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He visited and redeemed his people but he's also visited and redeemed or made a way for all of us to be redeemed. In the busyness of this Christmas season, in all the shopping and the traveling and all the things, we must remember to stay focused on the important thing, which is Christ himself. I'm so thankful for the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth in scripture. And I never really thought about it until this week in preparation of this message about the significance of their prayer being answered and that their prayer being answered meant other prayers were being answered. And who knows what dominoes else were part of that whole thing. Until we get to heaven, we'll never know. And I say that to you to instill hope in your heart in this Christmas season at the end of this catastrophic, horrible year that we've all had to have hope to know that God still answers prayer. Amen. Would you stand with me today? At the end of all of our services, we, we ask the Holy Spirit and we just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I don't want you to sit there today in some attitude of piety or self-righteousness and say, well, pastor, my prayer life's good. You don't know how much I pray. That's not what you should have as a response today. Your response should be, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Maybe it is that you need to brush up on your prayer life. Maybe it's that you were reminded during this message about a prayer that you've prayed that you've forgotten about and haven't really gone back to, you lost hope for. Or maybe, just maybe, you're living in disobedience and need to start obeying again. The truth is our God is a God who answers prayer, amen? Would you close your eyes? Holy Spirit, 
I believe that you've spoken through this message into the heart of all those who are hearing. I pray today that you would help us to be confident in your word that you are a God who still today answers prayer. Lord, help us as we pray through this Christmas season, as we're praying for those around us and the things that everybody is dealing with and maybe the unique things that only we have going on. I pray that you would help us to know that you are hearing us. And Lord, I ask that you would answer us according to your will.